0: Ego sum pastor bonus. Cognosco et me In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord is the good shepherd. I know my sheep and mine know me. He goes after the lost sheep, after the apostles, still in need of time with the risen one. St. John's Gospel beautifully in the 21st chapter tells us of the third encounter between the risen Lord and the apostles as a group. The 21st chapter of St. John's Gospel doesn't appear in the Missal on Sundays, and so it's still worthwhile to consider what was happening between Resurrection Sunday and Ascension Thursday. The apostles, not all of them, Peter, James, John, Matthew, Bartholomew, and then two other disciples, were fishing. A man on the bank of the Sea of Galilee asks them if they've caught fish. They haven't. He tells them, cast your nets over the right side and they haul in 153 fish. So many that it was worth remembering the number. St. John, the beloved, cries out, It is the Lord. And Simon Peter doesn't respond by saying, I don't believe you. Prove it. I need to go see for myself. He immediately throws on his cloak, Jumps in the water and goes to our Lord. These are apostles who have gone to Galilee. They're no longer locked up in Jerusalem. They listen to each other, they trust each other. They're not yet ready to go back to Jerusalem. Pentecost is still several weeks away. But they listen. Remember St. Peter's bold declaration in the fifth chapter of the Acts of the Apostles. We must obey God rather than men. We may listen, we must listen to the voice that comes from heaven. St. John in the fifth chapter of Revelation says, I hear the voices of the angels. I hear the voice of every creature on earth, under the earth, every creature in the universe singing the praise of God. Like wise men, they listen, and they discern and come to recognize the voice of God. In particular, on the Sea of Galilee, in this third encounter with the apostles as a group. Now, if you're counting as vultures of accuracy as we are, he's already seen Mary Magdalene on Easter Sunday. He's already seen St. Paul on Easter Sunday. We know that, or St. Peter on Easter Sunday. We know know that because St. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians, that our Lord appeared to Peter first, and then the apostles, and then the apostles. But before that, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and then a week later, to the apostles with St. Thomas. And so, this is now at least the sixth experience between the risen Lord St. John says it was the third visit with the disciples, but obviously that means as a group. These apostles didn't recognize him at first. They just thought he was a man on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. And he asks them, children, have you caught any fish? They don't dismiss him. They don't tell him to go away. They listen to him. They they try what he suggests. Cast the net on the right side. Why not? They've probably already been fishing for quite a while. They've probably already thought, we've already dropped the net over there, but we'll try it again. And then, listening to what they might have thought at first was a stranger's voice, they realized very soon thereafter that actually is the voice of God. They listened, they listened to each other, they recognized the Lord they recognized the Lord who is the good shepherd seeking out his sheep. How does he describe that? In Matthew 18. If anyone has a hundred sheep and loses one, doesn't he leave the 99 on the mountain and go searching after the one? In point of fact, no. The, the ordinary shepherd doesn't leave the 99 to get scattered. So the Lord really is the very good shepherd. And is there only one lost sheep? No. We're all that one lost sheep. Every single one of us is the lost sheep. Monsignor Ronald Doxon commenting on this passage in Matthew 18, 12 to 15. speaks so tenderly of how our Lord reaches out to each and every one of us as though we are that one lost sheep. And he rejoices over having found us. Two days ago, when the Holy See published the Pope's exhortation, I had the fortune of having two days advanced uh, notice and had the the text already as of Wednesday evening, admittedly spending more time on the passages that beg further explanation. I lost track of how many times the Pope says, doctrine doesn't change, teaching of the church doesn't change. But clearly it needs to be applied to each person according to their specific circumstances. In other words, if you boil it down to one sentence, we can tell people the Holy Father is saying, be Catholic and don't be a jerk. Our Lord, speaking of himself as the good shepherd, seeking out the one lost sheep, then continues immediately in Matthew 18 to say that, the, that God does not want to lose any soul, not a single soul. And then immediately after that, verse 15, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fall between you and him alone, in private, individually. Individually. You can listen to him, he can listen to you. Obviously, if he rejects you, you bring him to others. If he rejects others, you bring him to the church. But it begins face to face. All of us know nobody has a profound conversion because they read something in the bulletin or read something on a website. Very few people have a conversion because of a homily, be it a decent homily or a great homily. Conversions are seldom anonymous, conversions are because of an experience. A seed might have been planted by something red or something heard, but they need to see that actually lived out. There's a nefarious idea floating around since Friday, especially, that never before have orthodoxy and kindness gone hand in hand. This is a new era. which would be an indictment against every confessor and every canonized saint ever in the history of Christendom. We can dismiss that as a rather absurd idea. What happens when someone, for instance, who's divorced and remarried, finds their way into the confessional box? Now, unless somebody was supposed to issue me a bag of rocks, they don't get pelted and get sent away as soon as we hear they're divorced and remarried. We don't say, stop talking. That's not what ever ever happens. It's awkward, it's delicate, it's through a screen, it's an irrepeatable conversation, but any decent priest will try to find out what conversion has already begun to happen because obviously they're in the confessional box obviously something has happened they didn't come there just to spit in our face something good has happened and the decent priest will try to tease out how much conversion has already happened how much openness to further conversion is there right now is it possible for a life of chastity to be pledged and realistically attempted. If so, then that person can receive the sacraments. They're not in a state of mortal sin anymore. That's always been the case. You, the faithful, need to know this not just for reassurance sake, but because most people who are in this situation, for instance, divorced and remarried, they'll encounter you before they encounter a priest in the confessional. In fact, they probably won't even have that encounter with a priest in the confessional unless they have an encounter with someone who tells them that it's worth having that encounter. That's always been the case. That's not new. And so what is Christ, the Good Shepherd, teaching us? He's not saying, I'm the only shepherd. You get out of the way. People have their own individual mystical experience with me. It has nothing to do with you all. No, quite the opposite. In Matthew 18, he makes it very clear. All of you need to go seek out the lost sheep. Every one of us is involved in his being the good shepherd. Because He doesn't want anyone lost. He died on the cross, not just for all of us. He died on the cross for each and every one of us. Hallelujah. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.